It's another Ian Collins wants a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi Mirage. In English, we call the number zero nil, not nada, zilch. With three years 0% APR representative finance, plus three years free servicing on a new Mirage, we just call that a great deal. Ian Collins wants a word. <laughs> How can you say? Hang on. Oh bollocks! How can you say? Look, my best score is six. Really? That is really hard to do. Yeah, that's really hard to make. So, on the back of last week's um, question that somebody threw in about this, this is Flappy Bird that has now been. Hang on. They won't shut up. Oh. Uh, it's now been taken off, and I have to further investigate, given how much fun that is, given how challenging that is, how difficult that is. Could you explain, and it's not quite up there with Angry Birds. Angry Birds, of course, is the Premier League of all... Um, Bird-based. Com- well, of all computer games. Are you? Would you seriously tell me? Okay. Right. Serious question. Okay. Um, Grand Theft Auto is the, the one I keep citing, which is up to number five. Would right. you seriously say that... That is better than Angry Birds. It's a different gaming experience because one is casual gaming. What about two put together? What Grand Theft Flappy Bird? <laughs> Flappy oh. Angry Birds. Oh well, Angry Flappy Birds. I maybe. don't care what they're called. Well, they don't have much in common because one is like a, you know you play it for five minutes at a time while you're waiting for the train. Just explain for people with a brain, if you would, Kev, why you would play. Look, I can qualify why I'd play Flappy Bird it's very very simple and it's a, a bit of an endurance thing can you get past your high score to try and fly a bird by tapping the screen through various bars and not hit the bar, if you hit the bar you die, if not you keep on going and there is some endurance in that, there's a level of skill in that whereas your game, Grand Theft Auto and the like, involves you essentially dressing up as one of the characters and pretending you're in a film. What's your point? I haven't got one, really. Can I just play you this? They're going to get crushed, mm. and I would have thought pulverised would be the... Um... Pulverised. That is our science correspondent. He's back on with us, yeah. Mark Fox-Smith. I bet he likes good video games. I bet he does, too. He also knows a thing or two about sinkholes. Oh, good. You know these things that are opening up and swallowing stuff. It's a worry. It is a worry. It is a worry. Folk are falling in the darn things. Sometimes houses go in there. Happened on the M2 the other week. Yeah. Why? Are there, are there more than ever, or are we just hearing about them? It's difficult to say. He knows. Kev, have you got questions? Yes, I do. By the way, Flappy Bird, all it is really is a reworking of the Super Mario swimming level. Have a think about that. If you know what I mean, then you'll be like, oh my God, he's right. Can I say God now we've got an ethics correspondent? Is that okay? She was fine with it last week. Yeah, she was. From Max the Mitsubishi Man, currently driving through Swansea, listening to your podcast. How does he know? Good point. Can I suggest a new feature, please? Well, you can suggest it. On the back of Where's Witchell, what about Where's Mitchell? <laughs> Occasional sightings of bald-headed actors and comedians. <laughs> can I start with Richard Fairbrass from Right Said Fred? I saw him once, and he winked at me. <laughs> right. I like the idea, Where's Mitchell. 
So places you've spotted acting baldies. So you'd have right. So you'd have uh, you'd have one of the Mitchells, both of the Mitchells. There are more than Jack. Patrick Stewart, Warren Mitchell, who what? actually happens to be a genuine Mitchell. Now it, Warren's still with us, right? I think he is. Yeah, because he's. But I don't know how old he is because he played an old man when he was like twenty-two. So it's like Clive Dunn. Everyone assumed that Clive Dunn died years and years ago because he was on. He was the youngest guy on. Didn't he only just die? Or something? Yeah. 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 Well, while listening to this podcast <laughs> right now. Yes, I think Warren Mitchell is probably like very, very old. It's a very g- good actor. I was. That's my. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's why I didn't get the film 2014 gig with Claudia. He was always very interesting though because he had this sort of like you know this, this character who was you know very popular, possibly for the wrong reasons. And then you'd hear him in an interview and he'd be like, "Yes, well, here's what I have to say about acting and the process of being an actor." Ronnie Barker was well spoken though. He was, but I thought the Ronnie Barker you got at the beginning of the two Ronnies was how he. Was yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't Nicholas Lindhurst do that as well? Because he's been so associated with the one character. Mm. I don't mean Peter in Heidi. He did that, of course. Of course. Um, I mean, you know, the only fools and horses thing. The thing. Yeah. When he went on Parkinson or something, he found himself speaking like this to try and sort of distance himself from it. It's a strange. But he one. would probably say that's how he spoke. It's a strange. Yeah, but then in Goodnight Sweetheart, he just did Rodney, didn't he? The same voice. Going, well, yeah, because I think that's how he speaks. I think that's probably his voice in Butterflies. Ah. I think that was his voice. But then I always find it really odd when you see like an interview with someone like Christian Bale, who's from the Valleys, and he'll be speaking in an American accent while he's doing an interview. It's always a little bit odd, especially when it's on over here. It's like, well, what is he an American then? But Hugh Laurie would do the same thing when he was doing House, because he would always speak as House whenever he was shooting. So yeah. he'd do an interview, and he'd be doing this American accent. But then you see, the other way around, I saw Gary Oldman, who's about as London as it gets. I love on, different strokes. On, <laughs> uh, he was on Graham Norton the other week, and I thought he was upping the old sort of London stuff. You know, he was doing a bit too much of that. Yeah. Because, you know, my sister, she's down in Albert Square. Silly old care. And so he was up, I think he was sort of up in it a little bit. But then he, he said that he, he does speak more American because his kids are American. But then I know you're, you know, you're not a fan of people who suddenly, actors who suddenly become Cockney overnight, despite having no Cockney, you know where this is going, no Cockney allegiance whatsoever. Yeah, well, I've got the gig now, and I just, and now I've, I've finished the old f***ing Doctor Who. Doctor Who? What Doctor Who? Who? Who are you? Coming round my manor. He's an American psycho now. On stage, yeah. yeah. Mm. Doing a musical. Apparently very good. Peter Capaldi. Don't even go. <laughs> From Dr. Chattanooga, Choo Choo Pundit. I read they've invented a bionic hand that allows people to feel by sending messages from the robot mitt to the brain. Mm. Any chance of obtaining one to give away is a prize on the show. <laughs> yes. I have a great use in mind for it. Wang. I quite like the idea of saying, Dear NASA, any chance you could supply us with one of those hands as a prize? Technology is astounding, though, isn't it? Uh, that tends to be the case. Because we were talking about, well, you can't invent anything anymore the other week, and now it seems no, they're no. inventing, like, robot bits of us. You know, they were trying to work out, I watched one of those Horizon things, about the the mission to Mars they want to do. So to get to Mars and back will take about three years. OK. So you've got to have somebody who's happy to be, not quite in solitary, but in you know, more or less with just a couple of other astronautical colleagues. Yeah. But you've got to go up there for three years. And, you know, it's a lot of food, it's a lot of water, it's a lot of panty. Yes. And that's what they were trying to work out what to do with the panty detail. Right. And somebody said, well, just throw it outside. Now, what apparently happens in space is that 
uh, an underpantage full of shattage uh, works like, frankly, a boomerang. So if you <laughs> threw it out, it will just come back. And what, all that would happen is that your spacecraft will turn up on Mars, essentially just covered in sh- That There's no way around it. So they've got to find a way of either disposing of it or reusing it somehow while they're up there. You and you, Dad. You need the equivalent of those nappy wrappers, don't you? You must have yeah. one of these in the house. You've got one, right? You're looking at me like a man. The nappy wrappers. Then you... I've got so many devices for nappies and stuff. I've right. got a nappy dustbin. Because you're, you're nappy wrapper. When you're changing young Sandy out of his soiled... His She's quite a few times a day. Yes, his chatage, uh <laughs> things. Um, it's like a bin. And you you must have got one. That, yes. You put it in the bin and then you swirl it around. it and you tie it and you have a, essentially a sealed unit. You have a, a big tube of shitty nappies. That's exactly In fact, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we've got one of those. They're well, that's what you need from Mars, isn't it? Yes, but it's going to be up there for three years. How big would the tube of shittage be? Council will collect it. Right. <laughs> that's right, they've just come round. Yeah, you can't recycle around here. It's in the wrong bin. Yeah, yeah. good luck with it's that. It's a yellow bin when you pass Saturn, not a blue bin. Everyone knows that. It's a brown bin, wouldn't it? I guess it would. From Sarah, the pot noodle princess. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. Hello. Thank you for getting in touch. Sarah <laughs> says, do you like your noodles meaty or veg-based? Do you like your noodles at all? Not big on pot noodles. But aren't all pot noodles vegetarian anyway? What, even the meat ones? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Is that right? Because, um, like, the chicken one... I'm serious. The chicken one is, like, soya, which is chicken flavour, and the beef one's, like, beef flavour stuff, and it doesn't actually have... And maybe not in all of them, but it used to be the case that... Because I knew vegetarians I right. who would eat pot noodles, because they could. Nothing worse than overshooting with your water, is there, in pot noodle? I haven't had one for a long well, time. I haven't had one for a long time, but I do remember when they first... Or when I first discovered pot noodles, I remember... That feeling, because you can never find that mark on the inside. How are you meant no. to judge, you know? You think you've judged it about right, and then you overshoot too much water, and before you realise you've essentially saturated, you've killed your own pot noodle with hot water. Yeah. There's no coming back from that. But you see, occasionally I quite fancy a pot noodle, but then I just can't bring myself to buy one. Well, you're just really eating the sort of false flavours, aren't you, that are lobbed in it, and that, yeah. the sachet of something. There's, I don't imagine there's much nutritional quality in many dried food-based Offerings. But the beef and tomato one used to be pretty good because you got some ketchup with it. Well, uh, yeah, it tasted all right. They, all, all that stuff tastes all right. Yeah. yeah, KFC, fish and chips, McDonald's, it all tastes all right. If you ate it all year round, I'm not so sure whether that would do you any favours, would it? But some of that dehydrated food, the, the astro- talking of astronauts, they do. Astronauts and the military use dehydrated stuff, don't they? Now, this is an interesting point that we hadn't previously thought about Go on our mission to Mars. It's all very well saying the nappy wrapper thing. But as you know, uh, or as, as you're about to find out, with a small child, when you put pureed things into a small child, it comes out the end even more pureed. So if you're in space and you're having like your pureed noodle dinner followed mm. by your pureed ice cream, then you're effectively going to be shitting polyfiller for a good long time. <laughs> now that's not going to be unless it hardens. We put a hardening agent into their food so it hardens and then it can just go out into the atmosphere and explode against planets. Or yes. you could just stick your ass out the window and shoot some clangers. I was having a drink, you fool. <laughs> yes, that would be good for their mental agility. Because, you know, you go crackers up there. One of the problems of the Mars mission is how to keep um, previously very fit, very agile, very intelligent uh, people yes. uh, sane uh, for, for long moments of solitude and uh, clearly confinement. Right. So I think a clanger hunting <laughs> out the window. It's a winner. Yeah. From 
Jules, Jules says, as for other once a word listeners you've met, because we had someone saying that they were sitting next to someone on a train, listening to us yeah. and tutting constantly. I popped into my local corner shop a while ago and was surprised to hear that the young lad behind the counter was listening to Once a Word on his iPhone quite loudly via a speaker dock. They usually just have heart on in there. (laughs) All shops do. P.S. The shop was shut down for health reasons three weeks later. Coincidence? Could be. From Shuey McPhee, who I think used to do a nighttime phone-in in Scotland. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Wore a hat, fingerless gloves. Yeah, Shuey McPhee's... Super mega fantastic big phone-in... Phone-in show. Yeah. yeah. Shuey McPhee. Are you still searching for one-hit wonder merchants? Yes. You know what we are. Yeah. I saw the guy from Typically Tropical who sang that Barbados song in a bar in Birmingham. Sadly, he was behind the bar. Not a punter. Oh. Andre... Yeah. This one. This one. Whoa, I'm going to Barbados. Yeah, that's enough of that. What a pack of sh- <laughs> <laughs> Never contact us again, please. You think old Ben Lucas rattling around your head for like three weeks was bad. Now you've got that. And you're not going to Barbados. From Ken the Cake. Has Kev ever seen the Japanese version of Spider-Man? He flies in a giant robot and talks to a wizard. I'm guessing you have. I have. Have you not seen this? No, of course I have. Why would I say this? is tremendous. I don't watch the the, uh, British or the Western version of Spider-Man. The British version of Spider-Man. Yes. Oh, hello. (laughs) I say... I made a web it up. <laughs> Good day to you. No, but the Japanese version of Spider-Man. Uh, look on YouTube. It's really worth it. It's hilarious. Not intentionally hilarious. But they sold the... Uh, Marvel sold the rights to... Because they didn't care about Peter Parker and all that kind of... They just wanted money. So yeah. all the Japanese did was buy the Spider-Man character. Like, guy in a suit, climbs buildings, shoots webs. They, but they had this whole thing where uh, he he a different origin, different person... Had a speedy bike, giant warrior robots, catchy theme tune, which sounded like this. Yeah, 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 wow! And even has bits of English in it. That's good. But honestly, this is, if you want some entertainment, full episodes are on YouTube. Just sit and enjoy Japanese Spider-Man and try to work out, like I did, exactly what the f*** is going on. (laughs) If you've got any questions you want to throw to us in this section, it's Kev at Once A Word, Ian at Once A Word. It's that simple, really. Just send it through to us. Uh, you can tweet at Once A Word as well. Uh, very busy show because we'll be speaking sinkholes a little later on with our science correspondent, Mark Fox Smith. Look forward to that. Kev's got something I don't know what under ah. his jumper. Yep. And we've got this. <laughs> feature that takes a long, hard look at life's knobheads. Yes, you know the kind of folk, those who, regardless of sex, or their status or their faith, find themselves acting in a penile-based manner. They might be off the telly, they could be a mate or neighbour. It's actually possible. It's your other half. Whoever they are, wherever they lurk, these are people who, from time to time, display sheer traits of dumb-ass buffoonery, so much so that you find yourself concluding only one thing. Hey! Hey! You're being a dick. Kev! Have you got one? I do, and it's very simple. And it's something that, you know, I'm sure there is a, a section of our audience who will think, well, Kev's out of line for saying that. This man has some good points. And there'll be another section of the audience who will say, no, I'm absolutely with Kev. And then there'll be a whole bunch of people in the middle who just won't give a rat's ass. I don't need to explain it. You know exactly what's been going on. Quite simply, Russell Brand, tell jokes and shut the f*** up. Yep. I can't really embroider on that anymore, Kev. I'm going to throw in this guy. In fact, I don't even know his name. You know when you go to a railway station 
and there's say 20 ticket barriers and they flap open yes uh, and some flap one way and some flap the other yeah. and some are lit up red with a cross and some are lit up green with a tick that's yeah. the one you go through I'm with you and you can never quite work out why on some days there's 10 green ones that are open and some days there's just a couple yeah I'm with you yeah. and on this occasion it was very very quiet and hardly anybody about and there appeared to be just one open right at that end on, right. the, on, the, on my left Right at that end, there was one open. But in front of me, I spotted a woman walking. Because at the other end, there's a man with a big flappy door that allows pushchairs and things through. So he can open the door if he wants to. I've got you. And you still have to show your ticket or your Oyster card. And in you go. And I saw a woman walking towards it. And I mm -hmm. thought, ah, rather than me walking 25 feet over that way, I'll just follow her. I've got my ticket in my hand. Away I go. She goes through. He pulls the gate on me. She says, you've got to use that over there. I said, but I'm here. He said, but you're not pregnant. I said, but of course I'm not <laughs> pregnant. He said, she's pregnant. It's for pregnant women. I said, well, it's not really for pregnant. It's for whatever you want it to be. It's for push chairs. It's for wheelchairs. It's for somebody with a big suitcase. And it could be, if the circumstances are right, for you to behave like a decent human being because I'm here. I'm not going to walk all the way over there when I'm already here. He said, no, you have to go over there. And by this time, the train is about to go. And I did that thing of, you know when you slightly nudge somebody because you have to? Yeah. And nudge my way through. So I'll get the platform security. What is the platform security at 12 o'clock at night? Oh, Waterloo you see platform station? security everywhere we yeah. station. There's usually at least 10 of them yeah. just all hanging around with swords waiting for a fight. What a dick, though. Yes, but the other point is, you should have, you should have said, right, but you realise that as this gate was already open, the amount of electricity to be used to open this gate has already been used. Therefore, me going through is saving the environment by not using this other gate. Good call. Les the Trucker says, I'm nominating my girlfriend for leaving her phone where I could see it and therefore saw a text pop up from her ex calling me a waste of space. Now, you might be wondering why I'm nominating her and not her ex. The truth is, he's spot on. I am a waste of space. <laughs> Goodbye, cruel world. Oh. Oh, Les. Oh, dear. <sighs> Lol. Does he say, it says lol, right, at the end? Um, L-M-A-F-O. Look through. No. Oh. None of that, no. <sighs> we should probably... Uh, it's be in the news, wouldn't it? Yeah. We should probably go yeah. quiet for a couple of seconds, shouldn't we? In memory of. Yeah. Right. Let's just give it a couple Maybe. of seconds. Yeah, he was a good man. Lovely fellow. Yeah. Oh, P.S. I'm okay, he says. Oh, all oh, right. Well, right. Good, yeah, good go. news. Uh, Joff in Burnley says, all those bozos blaming uh, the government or the Environment Agency for the floods. He's David Cameron, not <laughs> Noah. <laughs> Behave yourself. Weather happens. It can be rough. That's life. Plus, why'd you buy a house in a river anyway, you nutbags? Bit like buying the house near the airport, isn't it? Complaining about the place. Yeah. Paul Daniels lives on a river, doesn't he? He popped up on Channel 4 News the Did other he? night. Yes. As they were interviewing people. Yeah. John Snow went, uh, and the magician Paul Daniels is here as well. <laughs> he went, who <laughs> suddenly appeared. So, yes. And Debbie popped out of a massive cake. Des O'Connor's right lapel hey. says, Can I nominate my neighbour for disposing of his dead cat by lobbing the poor thing into my garden? He didn't deny this, but in fact qualified it by saying he was aiming for my compost heap. When oh. I pointed out... It's a bit of a sad way to deal with the demise of a family pet. He simply said he didn't like it anyway and thought it was a bit of a... Quack, quack, oops. <laughs> Des says, I thought this was a bit of an odd way to describe a cat. Got a couple of letters, right? Just a bit. 
This is from Nicky in Brighton. He says, right. let's all nominate that bloke, Alex, from the Scottish National Party. This man is about as useful as tits on a snake. <laughs> Surely he must have got the message by now. Oh, and can his sidekick please pluck her eyebrows? Says female Nicky in Brighton. Yeah. Braithwaite Muldoon in Chucky Wucky Doodah Heaven. Of course. Says, can I nominate Ed Balls, please? No reason. Ed Balls? Ed Balls. Ed Balls. Ed Balls. And this in from Lewis in Aberdeen, who'd like to nominate uh, for the prestigious award of Hey, Hey, You're Being a Dick. He says, let's go for the writer or writers of Outnumbered. It's like this. It's mm. okay. It's not bad. It's sometimes clever and sometimes cute. It's just never bollock numbingly brilliant. Hashtag Emperor's New Clothes. The, right. That's about spot on, isn't it? Sort of. I think the thing about Unnumbered is, it's, a, it's actually, it's a different program now than it used to be. It's different. Because before the appeal was, you had these kids, and the kids were improvising to an extent. And you have these cute kids and the adults interacting with them. So the writing is different to take, you know, take that into account. Now, though, Outnumbered is effectively a bunch of adults all acting together. Yeah. It's become more of a traditional sitcom in that respect. It's still pretty good. It used to be very good. But even then, even when it was very good, it wasn't necessarily, as you say, outstanding. Or bollock-numbingly brilliant, yeah. as Lewis in Aberdeen says. Yeah. It does go start Bend Over's Son. That's got to be difficult, though, right? If you're at school and you're Tiger Drew Honey, and both of your parents have potentially you being created on videotape in the loft. Because your parents are porn stars, yep. so you're going to have a different view of things. Your friend, uh -huh. your, Presumably your parents are quite sort of open about things, but not hopefully that open. Otherwise, you know, they'd go to prison. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So you've got these kids sort of like who would know that. Who Would, would they take the piss out of you or would they think you were cool? Well, I'll put it this way. I know where Ben... Uh, leaves right and uh, this is about as large and prestigious an estate as it gets really so uh, is that is that a good thing or a bad thing do you got do you sell your soul do you lose your soul do you lose something of your I soul don't think it, well you yeah he wanted to be an actor he said look all I wanted to do was act he said and perform in some kind of way and somehow through a conversation in a pub and a meeting of a mate somebody said do you want to do this and he thought I'll give it a go it's 50 quid and I'll try and it turned out that I was one of the few people in this you know whole circle of Sort of slightly pissed blokes in the pub who could actually maintain an erection while a camera was on. He right. said, it just turned out to be really good at it. He said, look at me, I look ridiculous. He said, there's nothing... And it's true, he's not Stub Muffin McDougal. No. You know, he's a guy... He looks more like Robin Asquith than a James Bond character. Oh. You know, he's not got your archetypal sort of porn-quality looks, but what he can do is uh, shag for days on end without ever stopping, which yeah. is the sort of the main prerequisite, really, for uh, the porn industry. As you know well, with your forthcoming DVD... Ian Collins wants a quack, quack, oops. Yep. Uh, hey. Hey. You're being a dick. Uh, is back very, very soon. On this show, however, we've got some of this. And you know I like to flatter you. I mean, your taste is obviously impeccable, and you know what you want from life, which is exactly why you should be driving a Mitsubishi Shogun. And the good news is you can now save up to five thousand pounds on this ultimate four by four with prices starting from just 26199 and zero percent finance available across the range you've just got to check it out for yourself pop by mitsubishi-cars.co.uk slash shogun for some very special offers shogun always capable surprisingly affordable 
Come on, come on, come on. What is it? you got to love the kids, haven't you? The kids. The kids. The kids and their wacky uses of things like, well, Twitter. Oh, yeah. You know, assuming they're the first people to ever feel like this, OMG, feels I can't, etc. You know what I'm talking about. All that, sir. So today, yeah. uh, now that your favourite television programme, Doctor Who, is a hit with millions and millions and millions of teens all over America, let's explore their heartfelt emotions on the subject with a little bit of Doctor Who Twitter Ding Dong. <laughs> Andre, play some music but not the Doctor Who theme tune because that costs quite a lot of money. And I'm not saying we're cheap, but, you know, it's the BBC and all. That'll do. That's a terrible choice. Actual tweets from yeah. actual people on Twitter. Okay. About the subject of Doctor Who. Uh, are these American people? These are American, yes. American okay. Doctor Who fans. Right. Usually teenagers right, okay. across America. All right. And I've spent some time looking at what teenage people are doing on, on Twitter. Okay. And my case comes up next week. Love Matt Smith, which is their Twitter handle, says, OMG, no more Matt Smith, no more Doctor Who. This show is dead to me. Because, of course, you know. Yes. It would be, wouldn't it? Somebody called Wit says, I am now the proud owner of a Doctor Who beach towel. Life is good. It would be good if that's pretty much what it took. A, a quality beach. Did you have a quality beach towel? No. I've got a good one. I've got I, a... Actually, I had an Opal Fruits beach towel. Did you? Yeah. What, recently? D no. It was uh, It was one of those... Have you ever seen the towel that comes in a little tiny box and you stick it in the bath? No. You ever seen these? Oh, you're the ones that uh, expand. expand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, one yeah. of those. Right. I, I got one of these things. It was some kind of promotion through a work thing. And it was like a little tablet. And I said, what, what is that? And they went, you put it in the bath and it will expand. Right. And I said, you're talking bollocks. Right. You know, what, yeah. what is, it's like some, what, what next? If I hold this piece of rope, it will just stand up on its own. What are you talking about? I said, no, if you put it in a bath, it will expand into a massive towel. Now, clearly, I thought this was ridiculous. And I went home and I got in. I was at home on my own and no one was around. And I thought, fancy some fool explaining to me that this was going to turn into a massive beach towel. So I ran a bath, yep. went upstairs, and put the little tablet in there. And this should never, ever happen. I have no idea how it did, or how it does, for that matter. Right. But it did expand into a f***-off <coughs> beach towel. Really? About 25 foot long. Good Lord. How was that in a tablet? And where is it now? It's in my mother's airing cupboard. Is it? Still? It's, yeah. It's amazing. Got me thinking, though. You know, summer's coming up. We're looking at merchandise. I'm just throwing it out there casually. If you would buy... And Ian Collins wants the word beach towel. Mailkevatwantsaword.com. And if people want them, we'll do them. Hmm. For this summer. People can put their arse on your face. Be nice. From uh, Jamie, who's a girl. Okay. Doctor Who is always a young man. Who the f*** is this old f***? <laughs> OMG, I'm crying. Oh. Yeah, well, I'm assuming it's a Capaldi. Oh, Jamie. Reference. Reference. Peter Capaldi. Who I'm sure will be the finest Doctor Who ever. With Molly Weir as my sidekick. Maddie says, wearing my Doctor Who t-shirt, hoping that my religious studies teacher will get distracted by it and not set our test. Is that how the education system works in the States? Seems to be. Just wear a wacky t-shirt and the teacher cancels the test. It's somehow hypnotised by the Doctor Who t-shirt, but only religious studies. Chris says, I don't trust people who don't watch Doctor Who. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Cheers, Chris. Somebody calling themselves T painted my bedroom door like the TARDIS. Lots of exclamation marks. My mom has grounded me for a month. <laughs> From Glenn. You should be grounded for spelling mum wrong. From Glenn. I just drifted off and ended up thinking, I love Doctor Who. I should watch Doctor Who. While I was watching Doctor Who. I think Glenn needs to get out a little bit more. I think so, too. As much as I love Doctor Who, you know. 
uh, from Dar G. You feminists who criticise the doctor need to chill the f*** out. These feminists walking around just criticising Doctor Who all the time uh, is just extraordinary. Is that right? Yeah. Not the programme notice, criticising the doctor. Oh. The doctor is making some clearly unfeminist decisions in his travelling around the universe accompanied by young ladies wearing short skirts uh, lifestyle. Leisha says, Dear random person on the train that has the Doctor Who theme as their ringtone, can we be best friends? Love me. And you've, finally, got the, you've got the Doctor Who ringtone there. No, it used to sound like a TARDIS. Oh, which is quite yeah. cool. What do you mean it's quite? How can that be quite cool? <laughs> because it would like light, and you go like, "Wow, oh. it's like your phone, your phone is dematerializing." But then I'm very odd about ringtones. I tend to have stuff which is like uh, jokey. And I know people say, "Oh, I have my favourite song is my ringtone." Then yeah. that means that you just kill your favourite song off. Of course you do, and everybody else has to hear it when it rings. Yeah, well, unless you've got your headphones. True. Finally, from Cam. Cam says, "Remember, these are actual tweets from people on Twitter about Doctor Who." Doctor Who fans. Cam says, OMG, strip searched at LAX because all my Doctor Who badges set off the security alarms. <laughs> well done, Cam. Good work, Cam. Well nice done, work. Cam. Did they, do you think? Or was it just a sort of, I don't really need to know? You can follow me on Twitter. Yes. At Sideshow underscore Kev. And uh, be nice. It's going to get very scary around here. So I promised you, Kev, oh, yes. uh, we would get some intelligent detail on this show. Right. And you need intelligent people to bring you intelligent detail about intelligent and pressing issues. Oh, true. Let's speak to a man who knows a thing or two about stuff. Stuff. Science broadcaster, all-round nice guy. He's our science correspondent. He's Mark Fox-Smith, everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. How hello, are you, Mark? How are you? How are you? How's life? Very well, very well. And yourself? We're all good at this, and we're very, very excited. Um, we're a bit scared as well, because we've been trailing this uh, throughout the course of the programme. Sinkholes. Now, these terrify uh. me, because when I'm reading stuff about sinkholes, um, it, it looks to me as if anyone's bit of space under their feet could fall from under them at any time with no notice. True or false? Uh, false, false. It depends on what you're standing on, of course. So yes. if you're standing on some serious, serious solid rock, the type of rock that's been around since the beginning of the earth, unlikely you're not going to fall into that. However, if you've had oodles and oodles amounts of rain, and we have been having a huge amount of rain recently, yeah. and you're standing on the wrong type of rock, which basically is, is limestone, then you could be at risk, now notice I've said could there, because mm. it's possible but very unlikely when okay. these things happen, you could be at risk of falling into a sinkhole. So we're essentially talking something that's, as I say, as simple. It's about what, what something's built on or the, the, the composite of soil. Um, yes, if you build your house on sand, it's more likely to fall over than if you were to build your hand, uh, house on... Well, only a foolish man would do block. that, wouldn't he? Fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and, and again, people would be foolish to build um, to build a road over some limestone with underground running water, because if you have underground <laughs> running water running along underneath, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, limestone, sure. it will erode away. So limestone is really the, the enemy here. Yeah. Um, is, is that why, like, Florida has loads and loads of... It's of exactly the right answer, yes, absolutely. In, in America, there's, there's more limestone than... Do you know what limestone is? Without, no, go on. Okay, limestone is dead animals. Stop, stop so it. Got, yeah, right, stop, Mark's, you're making this up now, Mark. No, I'm not. No, dead no, animals? You've got igneous rock, which means fire rock, and that comes from volcanoes. Okay. So you, you won't ever get any, vo any um, fossils in, in igneous so rock. When you, so some, so when you, you, you put your hand under the ocean sometimes and pick up what you think is a handful of sand, sometimes that's a handful of dead animals, isn't it? Yes, yeah, well, if it's a lot 
little shells and things. So it's that kind of stuff, and that's what forms limestone. Yeah, imagine limestone. in the uh, prehistory, we're talking about way before the dinosaurs, where, where uh, pretty much everything was hundreds of millions and millions of just snails or shells. Sure. Or those things which look like long, thin rods with little, little tentacles coming out. Uh, when everything, well, all of those shells, those millions upon billions of animals, the Earth was like this for millions and millions of years, you know. So all of those shells built up and built up and got crushed down and built up and built up and then became limestone. And we go around cutting them into blocks and using them to build up uh, buildings in Bath. So, right. So, so, so limestone becomes a, a genuine rock, but of mm. course uh, it brings with it uh, certain hazards. Well, it erodes. It can it, collapse. It breaks down a lot more easily than, um, than, the, than the, the rocks that are formed, uh, sig- uh, the, the other three main types of rocks, if you like. Okay. But, so it's very prone to um, water. If you mix water with limestone, it will eventually erode away. Now, if you mix limestone with a little tiny bit of acidy water, yeah. which is why A-level geologists are always pouring vinegar all over rocks all the time. Mm. Oh, I um, see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you pour a little bit of acidy water over limestone, then it will react a lot, lot quicker. And you're not just making um, a nice harmless subject, you're making, you're making carbolic acid, so it's making it even worse. And that will erode even more rock away, mm. which will mean even more chances of a sinkhole forming. We had one on the M2 a couple of weeks ago. There was a, a sinkhole that formed right in the middle of a, in, the, in the central reservation. Thank goodness it wasn't on, on either side of the carriageway. Um, now, I don't know whether that was a limestone-based issue, but what it does show is just how devastatingly lethal they can be. You know, we know that people have lost their lives if they've been around or a house has been almost swallowed up. I mean, it's the stuff of kind of Stephen King novels, Mark, isn't it? I know. You can, I can understand somebody initially thinking that it must be alien intervention or something. Cause yeah. you've got, they are so, sometimes they are just so perfectly, perfectly circular. Yeah. And if you look into them, they're almost like a 90-degree drop straight down. So the, the tempting thought that it's some sort of laser photon cannon coming from outer space to teach us a lesson. Well, it's um, funny, on that point, I mean, there was a, there was a place in the United States, it may have been in Florida, I just remember listening to the cops talk about this. They turned up at a house and a, a guy had fallen, his the entire floor of his bedroom, only his bedroom, in, interestingly, which was nothing to do with the fact that it was his bedroom. It just happened to be underneath where, where his room was. Uh, down he went with bed and everything. Uh, the cops showed up. Everything else was normal. The walls of this bedroom were there, pictures on the walls, but all they could see was a 100-foot drop. The problem with that, of course, is that the the drop in itself created more soil to sort of cascade in. So uh, this guy was never, ever found, by the way. They couldn't get in there to rescue him. Well, they can, it, it depends where the, the, where the rock has eroded away. If the rock has eroded away 100 feet underneath your feet, then up to 100 feet of rock will slide down. Uh, depending on how big the cavern is uh, being formed underneath uh, underneath your feet, so um, you're looking at a huge mass of rock moving. Sometimes that, that's a serious amount of energy there. Now, a human is possible to bounce out of that or or to to um, get incredibly lucky, but it is more likely, I would have thought, than unlikely that, that, that they're going to get crushed. Mm. And I would have thought. Um, I'm sorry for the relatives, if they're listening, pulverized would be the... Um, pulverized? Yeah, well, wow. you're, you're looking at a very tight, tight fit here. This, Kev, this, 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 the rock, this doesn't disappear. The rock has disappeared over hundreds of years underneath of you, yeah. yeah. But, but the 
pavement you're standing on will be 100 feet or however deep the hole is. It will still be in existence, just further down. See, I have concerns about this, because I think that you're going to have this entire industry of people who are going to start using it as a, as a way to make money. Uh, I mean, a, a great example is that um, I had someone who uh, walked by my house the other day, knocked on the door. I remember this distinctly, because he looked a bit like Glenn Campbell. And um, he said, you'd want to take a look at your driveway, mate. I think it's got limestone underneath it. And I said, well, that's, that can't be the case. Be off with you. And it turned out he was just a limestone cowboy. Boom! So this is the level I've been reduced to. Here we are talking science and something really interesting, and then we get a... T- By the way, what's that rumbling underneath the... It might not be limestone, it could be sandstone, or it could be some other dodgy uh, type of rock. There's a variety of hazards out there underneath our feet, but limestone's the most common one. Our security guard here uh, at the studios, Konstantanos Morpogo, was saying to me earlier on, when I said we're going to talk about this, he said, why are we hearing more and more of these things happening? Okay, it, it, it appears that not just in the States, in this country as well, there are more sinkholes. Now, that lends itself more to the conspiracy theory rather than the limestone theory. It, it, are they on the increase or do we just report these things well, more, Mark? I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think that, A, they're reported a lot more because, I mean, they make such brilliant photos. A car half sticking out of a, out of a sinkhole yes. is, is, you know, definitely good news. And if you're walking past that Correct. with your iPhone or whatever telephone you might have, it, you know, it's a no-brainer to give a quick snap of it and put it on face, whatever. Um, so there's one reason, because we report them massively. Another reason, I think, is because we've got so much more heavy freight on the roads and, and the uh, roads are so much um, used a lot yes. more. And the and weather the is crap reason, as well. The rain. And the rain, of course, that yeah. does it. Um, for though, you know, it, it's nice when you can see pictures and shocking images where nobody gets hurt, which is, you know, you can YouTube these things all day because there are lots of, you know, people falling through pavements and it turns out they're actually OK, thank goodness. I mean, there are clearly some you know, t- shocking stories where the result isn't quite so, you know, so humorous, but you can c- certainly check some of those other ones as well. Listen, Mark, you are always an education, sir. Uh, it's <laughs> always a fabulous to have you on the podcast as well. Thank you. Um, we'd like to thank our science correspondent everybody mark fox smith with us here on the podcast come on kev 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 hello he's gone credit stream and there you go we declare this podcast well and truly closed we are of course back in seven days thanks to you for downloading if you like what we do want to help support this podcast get over to itunes to rate review and subscribe android people can try us on the free stitcher app or download stitcher.com slash once a word. Thank you to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is in Computech.com. Remember, seven days from now is when you need to set your clock, because that is when we are back with more entertainment. Damn it. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! It's another Ian Collins once a word fact. Powered by the Mitsubishi ASX. The new car smell is composed of 50 different elements. The new Mitsubishi ASX smells lovely and is yours from just £14,999. That's nothing to sniff at. Let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie... 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds.
That's a big twinkie. 